Hey, what's up guys? It's Nikki and you are listening to Evolution by Nikki the Podcast. Today's episode is episode two, The Power of Processing. So before I get started today, um, I kind of just want to let you guys know what I'm doing. Basically, what I'm doing is to prepare for the show, I'm kind of getting my ideas in some sort of chronological order, um, trying to present the material to you in a way that makes sense and is easy to follow so it doesn't seem like I'm constantly jumping around from, you know, different year to different year. Um, So right now, I am going to do the easiest thing, which is to start with November of 2019. Um, My story with trauma and processing and all of that uh, begins much earlier, but November 2019 is when I suffered a terrible mental health crisis. Um, I actually ended up needing to take medical leave from work. Um, I was teaching in Bayonne at the time. Um, and this was November 2019 to about June 2020. Um, I was sent to Center for Wellness for IOP. And for those of you who don't know what IOP is, that's intensive outpatient therapy. So when traditional talk therapy and psychiatric medications aren't working well enough, um, they can consider sending you to IOP, uh, which is where I went. Um, And if it is bad enough, or if you are a danger to yourself or others or anything like that, um, then obviously it's not outpatient anymore. It's inpatient. Um, Luckily, it was not to that extent at that time. I didn't need that level of care. Um, But I was there uh, for about four days a week for about five hours a day. Um, And I was basically in class the whole time. The first half of the day was um, gaining coping skills and learning about how to implement those coping skills. And then the second part of the day was process group. And sometimes process group would be led by um, a counselor and sometimes it would be led by one of the members. And I was lucky enough to be in a group um, the entire time, pretty much, with just females. So it was really empowering to hear their stories um, and where they had come from. Um, obviously, I'm not going to mention any names throughout the course of this, um, other than probably my husband and my kids. Um, but everything else, you know, is going to remain nameless. Um, so yeah, I, I don't want to remain, uh, I don't want to give any names, but some of the women, um, in there had dealt with things like rape and severe substance abuse, um, you know, crippling anxiety, different things like that. So it really allowed me to, um, appreciate what I had been through and actually sometimes even be grateful that it wasn't worse than what it was because when I was listening to some of their stories, um, you know, you can't help but cry when you hear that someone was raped and 
they didn't tell anyone and no one knows and they have been suffering with it for years and no one can explain why they lost their zest for life or why they had to quit their job or why they broke up with their boyfriend and different things like that. Um, you know, it was it was really eye-opening to hear what other people were going through. And it was also, um, it was a way for me to know that I wasn't as alone as I thought I was. Um, so I had been asking myself every day for years, every single day for years, why aren't you fully happy? Like, why is this not enough for you? Um, I would say to myself, you have everything you ever wanted. You have a home, you have a job, you have a beautiful and healthy family. So I kept asking myself, why am I so hopelessly depressed? None of it made sense. None of it made sense. Until I learned about trauma. Trauma does some unimaginable things to your mind and to your body. Some of the things you don't even realize until it's too late, which is what happened in my case. Over the course of a few months leading up to November 2019, um, I really did start to give up. Um, I didn't even recognize who I was anymore. I was lost and it seemed like I was all alone. I did kind of become sort of a recluse um, in that time. Luckily enough, it was uh, COVID quarantine at this time too, starting in March of 2020. So for a part of it, I was forced to be a recluse. Um, but from November to, uh, you know, February, beginning of March, um, I did that to myself because I just, I couldn't. I couldn't fake it anymore. I couldn't put on a brave face. I didn't want to put on makeup. I didn't want to do my hair. I wasn't showering every day. Um, I wasn't cleaning the house. I wasn't cooking. I wasn't doing dishes. Um, it was really, really miserable. And I was really, really hard on myself about that for a long time. Um, but I refused to ask for help almost until it was too late. Um, after entering IOP, my official diagnoses were confirmed. Um, I've had many diagnoses over the past, um, let's say 10, 15 years, um, but I was reevaluated at IOP and they gave me kind of a new official list of diagnoses. Um, so get your pen and paper ready. You might want to write this down because there's quite a bit. Um, so as you can imagine, I've been diagnosed with depression, generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, which is different. Um, and if you don't know about panic disorder, I will, um, go into that later. Um, I've had OCD for a large majority of my life. Uh, I didn't know, but now I do. Um, I have CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, that would be from my childhood. Complex is a little bit different than standard PTSD, so I can go into that as well. 
But I had been living in survival mode for so long that I never noticed how all of my childhood trauma was being stored in my body as different physical manifestations of all of those years of pain and heartache. Um, I didn't realize that all of the things I was going to the doctor complaining about were all connected. Um, it was all connected to basically my nervous system and there's something called autonomic nervous system dysfunction, which again, I didn't know about. Um, and I can go into that more in detail in another episode. Um, but basically it's when your nervous system doesn't work correctly and um, your perception of things is skewed. So it's what's happening to me. My perception of the events that are happening in my life is skewed and um, I couldn't control the way that I was looking at everything. I was looking at everything um, in a very negative light. Um, so some examples of things that I was going through were extreme fatigue. I would sleep from nine o'clock at night and Justin would let me sleep even with the kids. He would let me sleep for hours in the morning, like hours after he woke up. The kids would wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and he'd let me sleep until 11 and I'd wake up and I just was never, I was never well rested. I woke up and I looked like death. I felt like death and all I wanted to do was cry. I also had intense brain fog. Um, but I will be honest, I was on um, Klonopin for anxiety for about 10 years until a previous psychiatrist actually told me, uh, I told her that I was having problems with memory loss and she was like, oh, you know, well, you know that Klonopin causes or can cause early onset Alzheimer's. So I freaked out, obviously, and took myself off of the Klonopin, which, um, it was very hard because it was the only thing that I was on to manage my anxiety. So um, as you can imagine, after I went off of Klonopin, uh, my anxiety kind of went out of control, um, but I refused to go back on Xanax, um, which again, I will explain some of these things and these decisions um, in later episodes. Um, Things like low sex drive, which people don't like to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about their sex life. But when there is no sex life, is there really anything to talk about? You know, I didn't want to be touched. I didn't want to be looked at. I felt disgusting. I felt unworthy. I felt unlovable. Um, and it didn't matter what Justin or anyone else said to me. Um, I didn't believe certain things about myself. I had certain self-doubts and, you know, feelings about myself that didn't jive with what other people were saying. Like, you're so strong. You're so this. Keep your head up, you know. And I just couldn't do it any anymore. Um, and something that was really scary for me was the lack of interest in activities that I previously found enjoyable. 
Um, something that I love is music and I would always get in the car and turn the radio up and, you know, just jam out and everyone who knows me knows that I love hip hop and rap and, you know, I'll turn the radio on as high as it can go and put my windows down and I'll just sit there and, you know, rap a whole song. And when this got really bad, I noticed that I wasn't even listening to the radio in the car anymore. I would drive to work in silence, literally silence, and I would just cry. <clears throat> and something so simple like listening to music um, was so therapeutic for me that when I stopped doing it, um, I think it really had an effect on me because it was something positive in my life. It was something upbeat. It kept me happy. I loved just singing. And when I stopped, it was like, um, it sounds stupid. I know it does. But it was like, I didn't even know who I was anymore. I, I was like, I just wasn't myself. It was very weird. Um, I also never knew, um, that the trauma that I witnessed and went through all those years ago would resurface at 30 years old as unmanageable, severe depression. Um, I was at Center for Wellness, which I had already mentioned, um, and that's where I discovered the source of all my pain. Every day uh, I showed up at IOP and chipped a little piece away of that childhood trauma. And I started to uncover explanations for why I have the feelings that I do. IOP is where I learned about the power of processing. I thought that I had processed, in quotes, the loss of my mother and the trauma that went along with our entire relationship slash my, my entire childhood. Um, but I hadn't. I hadn't processed it. I compartmentalized. I stuffed it in this nice little box and put a bow on it and pushed it to the side and acted like um, I could pick those memories up whenever I wanted, take the bow off the box and everything would be fine. Um, but that wasn't the case. I put it in a box. I put it in a closet and the box kind of came to life. And it wasn't the way that I had intended for these feelings to come flooding back to me. Um, it wasn't my intention to process all of this trauma that I didn't even know that I had until that point. So I'd like to just take a second to explain processing. Sounds simple enough, and you probably think you do it because I thought that I did it, uh, but I don't. Processing is when you really take the time to think about the rationale and motivations behind the decisions you make and also behind the causation of your feelings. So let me tell you what you need to ask yourself when you're trying to process. The most important thing 
that you need to ask yourself when trying to process feelings is what feelings did this evoke in me? So you want to name and describe that feeling. Is it sadness? Is it worry? Is it fear? Is it anger? And you'd be surprised how many times you say anger. Um, And I didn't know, but my anxiety was causing me to be a very angry and irritable person. And I'm going to explain that in a later episode because that is related to, which I didn't know, my OCD. Um, So you have to ask yourself, what feelings did this evoke in me? You're going to name and describe that feeling. And then you have to ask yourself, what do I associate with these feelings? What does this feeling, situation, person, place, thing What does it remind me of that's causing me to, one, be depressed, or two, be anxious? Those are the two most common things that you're going to need to ask yourself, right? Are you depressed? Are you anxious? And why? So for me, it was through the power of processing that I was able to get over my mother's death and open up finally um, to people about what exactly my childhood was like. And honestly, when I first started opening up to people many years ago, many, many years ago, no one could believe the things that I was telling them. A lot of people, family, friends, my mom's old clients, which in case you didn't know, my mom was a hairdresser for many, many years. Um, She was very successful, had a lot of who she referred to as important clients in Bayonne. Um, But nobody could believe what my life was really like underneath that exterior. I guess my mom and I were both skilled pretenders because no one suspected a thing. I'm going to leave you there for now. And we are going to dive in next time to exactly who my mom was. And the first thing that I was able to process at IOP, the very first thing. Stay tuned because you don't want to miss a thing. Yours in health and wellness, Nikki.